All right, and welcome to the Lions Guy podcast, where we take on topics in performance and personal growth by exploring the success stories of our guests and the lessons they've learned. I interview other subject matter experts on topics of performance and growth, and I also review books and other resources to help us all establish clarity, build courage, and lead. I'm your host, Dale Walls, founder of Lions Guide, and on this episode, I've got Mr. Steve Campbell, who's been a longtime friend, and over the past decade, Steve has propelled hundreds of businesses toward their dream. He has taken clients from losing money to 32% profits in as little as six months. In other organizations, he's helped them reduce costs by 16%, while others, he's helped them increase their sales, sometimes as much as 76%. Steve brings clarity to the pathway to freedom. He has bought and sold numerous businesses at profit. He's led companies ranging from 15 to 105 employees and loves making an impact on people's lives, helping others, improving processes, and making an impact are what drives Steve. His gift for making the complex simple brings clarity and passion back to those who interact with him. His greatest delight is restoring joy and passion to people. On this episode, Steve and I talk about his journey in helping businesses with their people, process, and profits, as well as how he learned how to live life on his own terms. So if you like the sound of that, hit that subscribe button now so you don't miss any of our other great guests and content. And as always, this podcast is sponsored by Lions Guide. And if you've been tuning in, getting value from the show, then hey, do yourself a favor, go out to lionsguide.com and join our member community called The Pride. For no cost to you, it's free. You get access to all kinds of free exclusive content to include yet to be released episodes of the podcast. I've got reading lists out there. I do live virtual training events. Uh, I've got a private online group to engage with other growth-minded members and a whole lot more. So again, join The Pride, it's free and I'm developing all to help you break out of your rut and and or break through to that next best version of yourself by establishing clarity, building your courage, and being the true leader of your life. So check it out now. Go to lionsguide.com and join today. Now, on with the show. Welcome to another episode of Alliance Guy Podcast. And today we got Mr. Steve Campbell, who's a longtime friend. I've known him to be a high performer and he's learned how to live life on his own terms. And today he's out there helping businesses be more profitable. So Steve, welcome to the show, my man. Thanks, Dale. Appreciate it. Yeah. I love that intro of living life on your own. <laughs> living life on your own terms. Yeah, man. The, uh, the, the And that's, that's the thing. I know you've always been a, a hard charger. You've always been getting you know, whether it was your insurance business in the past and what you're doing now, like you've always been on doing your own thing in a, in a big way. So tell us who you are. What do you do? Well, as you mentioned, Dale, I mean, way back in the day, right after college, ran my own business for about two years. I don't know if you knew that, but I worked on boats and then uh, went into the insurance business and learned how to sell and work with businesses, drove around, talked to thousands of business owners, convinced them to buy insurance from me and helped them out. And I learned a lot about people, business, and selling from a lot of really experienced guys along the way. So it was really fun to just be exposed to so many people so young in my career. And then through the years, opened a consulting practice, became a risk management consultant, general business consultant, uh, did MBA stuff, and then gone on to uh, invest in companies, sell them. And it's been a pretty wild ride of a lot of different things. But I, I think the capstone of, of what I love about life is being able to serve people well and and have fun doing it and uh, live life on those terms that I want. Do what I want with the people that I really appreciate like yourself and and really pushing forward to something that I feel is really contributing value, not just punching a clock, not just looking for money, but looking for 
a great experience in life to work with other high performers like yourself and do things that really matter. And how are you doing that today? Like what, um, you know, what type of, what, what type of organization engages with you and, and what for? That's a great question. So if I, you know, have my general core business now is business coaching. So I'll have a fairly small to maybe a mid-market company come to me to help increase three things. The name of my company is P3 Coaching and Consulting. So we work on people, process, and profit. The guys that come to me, usually men or women, have hit a plateau in their business. They've reached a potential that maybe they didn't realize they had. They've gotten to a place where they're like, hey, this is good. But then there's something holding them back from going more. Dale, I find that there's uh, systematically through whatever reading you do, whatever type of business you're looking at, there's five stages of business growth. And oftentimes we get to, you know, ramping up to the next stage is a really energetic, exciting experience that we're pushing hard on. And then we just keep pushing in the same way and it doesn't return the same results and dividends at some point. And uh, when people reach that plateau or reach some critical point, they reach out to me and say, hey, how can we get further? How can we do better? How can we do more? Yeah, that's awesome. And what do you find is typical, right? So you've got a business that's growing and is there something that you're kind of like you hear the call and go, yeah, you know, I've had this business for five, 10 years or whatever, but we're just not growing anymore. Like, is there like kind of a root thing that you usually see that's a root cause of that? Or is it any number of things? That's a great question. It really depends on what stage in the business they're at and then what type of leader they are. So there's several different types of CEO leaders or executive leaders. And as you identify the type of leader you're dealing with and you identify the stage in business. So I've got the five stages that every business goes through. They start up, then they move through this kind of chaotic growth period. Then they move into more of a controlled steady period. Then they move into what I would call like a prosperity phase where they're making good money, things are going well, and they're able to expand their reach and refine their efficiencies. And then to that final stage of freedom. Um, so we'll talk more about that later. But in each of those first four stages, there's about three or four things that every business is going to really hit a hurdle on. As a leader, you probably tackle two or three of those four things really well. But as a leader, you probably are missing one of them. And if you really heard and knew what the four were, you'd quickly identify, go, yeah, that's the one I haven't done. That's the one that's really jamming us up now. So some people are great at finance, right? But maybe they're not so good at the sales side. Some people are awesome salesmen, but maybe things are a little disorganized and the finances aren't really clearly in order. Some people are really great at building a team, but have they really been efficient and manage the time and, and the energy of the, the team well. That's the process side. So if you just break it into those three categories, have you dealt with your people? If you really lift your people up, train them up and encourage them up, they're going to do great things. But a lot of people, you know, they don't have the performance incentive plans in place to motivate their employees to do what is in the best interest of the company. You might be like, oh, we have this plan for our, our employees and we really bonus them well on this or that or the other thing. But sometimes that actually disincentivizes them from something that's really important to the company. Maybe we're supposed to sell a lot and we get bonus if we sell a lot. So I'm selling things that aren't making us a profit or I'm selling things that are outside of our target area. Uh, but you know, a lot of different um, mechanisms can come up there. Like 
which angle is your company coming from? But breaking it down into that, is it the people category? Is it the process and how the people are working? Or is it just the profit really comes down to having your clear numbers, your clear presentations, and a clear plan that you're tracking and holding people accountable to? You know, you said something there was interesting because I feel like sometimes, and you tell me if I'm wrong, but I feel like sometimes like businesses just do things to say they did it, like the, the incentive plan, like they, but it's not necessarily thoughtful towards a business objective, like aligning the business objectives with some sort of profit sharing plan or bonus pool plan or whatever. Sometimes it's just doing it to check a box. Is, is that the case? You see a lot of this kind of, I won't call it fluff, but it's just not good alignment in maybe what the business needs versus what the leadership's doing. Yeah, that alignment's a great word because it's not our intention to disincentivize people from doing what's in the best interest of the company. But we've done something because somebody said, hey, here's a good incentive plan. You should use this. And they're like, okay, we'll do that instead of really custom designing a solution that really dovetails with your specific goals, objectives, shortcomings, and successes, right? Yeah, I think... and. I think that happens, right? Because sometimes like, look, when you're running a business, you're already like consumed. you got a million things going on. So when someone goes, hey, boom, idea, and you go, yeah, sounds good. <laughs> you know, run with, but you don't take the time <laughs> to, to, to sit there and think about it. I remember, and I'll leave the vendor names out of it, but I remember growing Corsica, like they would come to you and go, hey, quarter promotion, this is what we're selling. And I would go, that's cute, but... I, I always wanted to know like what my clients wanted. Like I know what the vendors wanted to sell and that's all good. But I always said, hey, hold up. Let's make sure that our clients are looking for this because if they don't, I mean, I'm not forcing anything on it, right? You're not really solving problems if you're going, hey, you need to buy this. Like the need to buy this wasn't the problem that my clients were faced with. So I always said, hey, that's nice. And I would like acknowledge what vendors wanted or these these, like you said earlier, like, hey, here's a idea or here's a framework or whatever. But you always got to go, what are we solving for? You know, like instead of like pushing product and pushing service, like what are you solving for for your clients so you can actually really bring some value? That's what they want to pay for. And having extreme clarity on what it is that we offer, why we're doing it and how we do it. Not that we can't change, but having extreme clarity on that prevents us from getting off the rails. Because if that vendor is bringing me something and it's like, this is exactly what we're trying to accomplish for our clients this quarter, this year then it's a great fit. Let's use it 100%. But I go back to my insurance days of you know decades ago and say, we've got you know salesmen out there that are motivated. I would watch the internal salespeople at either an agency or a company, and they'd motivate them like with a flat screen TV if you hit whatever award level or something, right? And every time you see a program like that, those programs usually are taking advantage of the customer. It's not in alignment with the customer's best interest or even your company's best interest, but the corporate people that are giving away the TV and they find somebody that's making a, not so much money that that TV is actually a big deal to them. And then they wind up getting off alignment. And if you can keep your employees hyper-focused on the best thing for your customer, um, you're going to do so much better. My philosophy on selling has been for the last, I guess, about you know, 15 years. It's selling is serving. If I can serve my customers well, discover what they really would benefit from and need, and then I can deliver it to them, all of a sudden selling became easy. 
and, and that's got a lot to do with listening too, right? I mean, your clients are going to tell you exactly what to sell them on, right? You know, you can sit there and have those discovery conversations. What's the biggest thing that, you know, at least again, back to my experience a little bit here is like, I would always start the, the first time appointments with why am I here? You know, t- t- tell me why I'm meeting with you and then just let them, I would let them have the hour. I would almost like, here you go. Tell me what's going on. Why am I here? And they would tell me everything. And I'd say, okay, great. I can, and, and I was using that kind of like as a discovery point, like, hey, I'm trying to validate that I can even serve you, right? And even even are you going to be a good client, right? Because sometimes I've been in appoint- appointments where the client would just complain. I was in the, obviously in IT services, but they would complain about how bad their existing guy was. And I would say, well, give me some examples. Like, what, what's going on? And that was really a vetting of if they were going to be a good client or not. Because I've been in meetings where the, the client would be like, yeah, my guy won't come in here. He wants to charge me. X number of dollars an hour just to hang this TV on the wall. And, and, you know, I could have my janitor do it for, or my maintenance guy do it for half of that. And I would go, yeah, don't you think you should have your maintenance guy doing a manual labor job like that for the appropriate rate instead of paying a really expensive IT person to come in and do it? Like, you know, it, it, so it was those things that I would be using that first time appointment just to kind of court a little bit. But at the same time, they're telling me everything. And then I would come back to another appointment and then completely sell on everything that um, they told me, like all their problems that I would come in, just focus on those one to three big areas that they're trying to solve for. Everything else is bonus, right? Like the fact that I did 10 times what their their core focus was, I wouldn't even, I would just Oh, by those were my old, by the way, moments, right? Like, oh, by the way, yeah, we do this, this and this, but hey, back to the fact that your guy doesn't call you for two days. Let me tell you about that. When you call, we're going to pick up real time, bah, bah, bah. And and that was it. It Lights out, you know, they'll tell you exactly what they're looking for. Yeah, Dale, that, that really resonates with what I do on a daily basis, which is like the biggest value. I had a customer ask me recently, he was hemming and hawing over whether or not he should become a customer or whatnot. And I said, look, I can do this. I can do that. He wanted me for like a big project, like 20, 30 hours a week for the next six months or something. I'm like, I don't have that kind of time. And I said to him, finally, I was just like, listen, man, the single biggest thing I can do for your company is to ask you the right questions. If I get you in the right mindset where you've got the right answers, then going and executing on that is going to be, that. that's easy. That's the easy part, like you're saying. But really... That listening ability, and I know you, I, I didn't sit in on business sales calls with you, but I know when you ask that question and then they're giving feedback, you're probably interjecting, oh yeah, we do that or we don't do that. And then probing with more questions and leading them on to the place of saying, okay, so what really matters? So something I came across a couple of years back, which I just love, is the concept of five whys. The first time you ask the question why, you're going to get an answer. Then you ask a follow-up why question, you get a deeper answer. By the fourth why, you're getting a little bit uncomfortable. And if you've got the guts to ask the fifth why, there's going to be some real like life-changing kind of stuff going on in that conversation. Yeah, those are going to be those those breakthrough moments where at some point they're not going to realize why why they're doing things a certain way or whatever. Is that what you're kind of probing for in those situations? Yeah. I mean, now in this day and age, I use the five whys in my coaching practice more than anything because people get to that place where they're they're sharing with me, well, we do this and we do this and we don't do this. And you start to ask why. And when you get a valid answer to the first why, a lot of times it's like, okay, cool. you know. 
But sometimes those answers aren't quite lining up. And when you just see something that's not making sense and you probe a little deeper, you probe a little deeper, you wind up hitting on some solid gold that really reflects, you know, as you talk about an outside consultant coming into your company. When I first started, I, I was really good. I mean, I was a certified risk manager and I had all this knowledge and all this experience, but it took me so long to get to that place of discovering what your company really needed to make a huge impact in your company. Whereas now these kind of little, little data points, you know, when to ask the next question, you know what that next question should be for them to have that epiphany. And that epiphany is going to be worth, you know, well over the cost of admission when they have the right one, because you know how it is. One little shift in your company could really cost you a lot. I'm sure there've been mistakes along your way as there have been mine, but those can also be those opportunities where you grow exponentially. It's that little shift that went from now we're adding to multiplying. Yeah. You know, the epiphany moments. And, and that's what it takes, right? To get it, get someone knowledgeable. Just And I get what I appreciate about what you said is coming in there asking questions instead of coming in like you've got all the answers, right? Like, you know, in coaching, coaching is about helping your client find their own answers for themselves. Like I don't, even in my coaching day and coaching leaders, it's it's a matter of I, what works for me works for me. It works for me in my time, place, and situation. I'm not even here to tell you to use my way or the way I do things. I can help you from my experience, but I, my goal was to help you find your way. Like you're like we've all got our own formula, right? And if we can find our formula for success and execute against that, that's that's often not going to be cut and paste of someone else's. So as a consultant coming in, helping them discover that rather than, ah, don't worry guys, I got my five steps and you're going to, once you follow this, everything's going to be okay. It's like, it, it's not like that. You know, every, every business and, and man, the, the, the complexity of a business in itself, I just caught myself saying that. I mean, there's so much variable, you know, between the leadership, the, 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 obviously the business type and um, you know what it does and, and, and the personalities involved. There's just so much. And the stage know. and the size and yeah, the profitability yeah. and the industry and the number of how you interact with your own staff and how you interact with your subcontractors, how you interact with your clients. I mean, a, a retail versus an online, you know, customers, uh, you know, business to customer versus a business to business versus a relational transaction. It is so different, but then there's these common themes that run through all of them that really, really don't change. And that's where it's about identifying those key factors and helping people come to that discovery period. As I look at what you're saying, it just, it gets me so excited because of the, the amazing impact you're able to have on a business in such little amount of time. Um, I've seen some of the clients that you've worked with and real amazing results. My average client over the last you know, year, two, three years is up 62% in profit in the first 12 months of working with me. I mean, those are real numbers. That's, that's a big impact on their lifestyle after that. But as you look at those kind of impact numbers, you're like, wow, where'd that come from? And it's oftentimes like, well, you know, First, we had to get to know each other. First, we had to go through this discovery and shortening that discovery down to the place where it doesn't take three to six months, right? And when you first engage, I worked for a venture capital firm and worked for a bunch of companies they had invested in. And, uh, you know, that's what really gave me that speed of being able to walk in and quickly assess things. 
because I was just walking in, already had my position solid. They were answering to me because I was answering to the VC firm. And I'd walk in and just start diving in. And I discovered it's really not that complex, even though there's a million variables. There's only you know a handful of answers. As you grew your company, I'm sure you used different programs, different uh, ideas and philosophies and, and firms. You know, you've got a bunch of them out there. I won't drop names, but you can read a book on a business process about 17 different ways to make your business better, faster, stronger. Some of them deal with communication. Some of them deal with efficiency. Some of them deal with clarity. Some of them have strategic planning really is the focus. Which one's right for you? You know, that's not going to come out of a book. You need somebody to really lean in and say, this is the book you need to read this quarter, this year. You need to focus on this one area because there's about 10 great programs that I recommend that I walk my clients through or I'll send them to somebody else to go through, yours being one of them. But what's the right time for which program? Because if you pick the wrong one, you wind up hyper-focusing on the wrong thing and missing the most important thing that would have come through a different avenue and probably been a lot easier, less cost costly, and produce much greater results. But it's that time of getting the specific custom solution that's kind of painful for business owners. Like you said earlier, you're running around, you're making decisions, you're putting out fires, you're doing this, 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 which is awesome. But if you don't step back and occasionally take the time to get that real extreme clarity, then you're going to wind up making some decisions that maybe work out well, but maybe you miss the greater good. Where do you see a lot of leaders start to go wrong with their businesses? Wow. So that's a great question, Dale. The first thing that comes to mind, okay, is the leaders that get to the place where they're no longer excited, passionate, and happy. Mm. I've seen a lot of guys, it gets lonely at the top, right? You've got a lot of stressors on you. You've got very few outlets for that because everybody, you either are presenting your image or you're serving them because they're your employees. Um, and a lot of these guys and, and women pay a great, huge price on their personal health, their personal clarity and peace, their families suffer because of their success. You know, I think that the, the misnomer is, hey, when I'm doing really well, then it'll be easier. And I think oftentimes we get to that place where we're doing really, really well in life, but it's not what we thought it would be. And then we've got all these issues that we didn't think about. You know, like the bigger your checkbook, the bigger checkbook problems you tend to have. Maybe you've got a great you know, P&L and everything's rolling and everything's good, but how much debt do you have? How much is your payroll every week? How quickly would it really hurt you if everything went south? You know, And a lot of these guys live with that kind of stress because they're taking it all on their own shoulders. You've probably found a few good people to partner with you along the way, a couple great employees or something, but really have a lot left on yourself. Yeah. <laughs> and that, now, you're, now you're talking, that's my business today, right? Because you and I, we met, what, months ago. Uh, we were first uh -huh. kind of collaborating when I was telling you what I was doing. That was it. That's what I want to work on. Like I, I told you, like people call me for business coaching. I'm like, man, I don't want to coach your business. I want to coach you 
on that problem right there where you're just because you got to be a high performer like to be in that role you know and and that's a common theme it's it's the hey i've i've got all this money in the bank should should i feel as miserable as i feel right like why you know is it supposed to feel this way or i don't have anyone to talk to about everything i'm going through you know and no one can relate to how hard it is to yeah man it's hard that's why Yes. And that's, you've got to level up there. You know, you said earlier, like it, it, it does not get any easier. Like, you know, that, you know, and you got four kids and you talk to other parents. I, my like first time parents, I always go, Hey, I know you think next year is going to be easier, but it's not, it's going to be a new <laughs> level of hard. Uh, and that's going to be the case for every year. Just, just know that, right. You're, you're probably thinking right now, you know, once they're sleeping through the night, once they're in diapers, once they're walking around, you know, it never gets any easier. And the same things with business. Like as it continues to grow, um, you have to grow with it to be able to manage and, and execute at those new levels, right? Every, like what's the saying? New level, new levels, new devils, right? So as your business grows, you've got to grow with it to be able to sustain what what I talk to people, they like to sustain your joy, right? You got to sustain, to, to be able yeah. to sustain your joy of owning a business. You've got to grow with it. And Dale, let me share a story with you of why I started my business. I mean, I was, I had a good job and I worked too much. It was, I made good money, but I was a slave to the job. You know how it goes. And uh, I was watching my daughter. They were little. Um, she had a friend. I'm standing there with this friend of mine whose daughter was also in gymnastics. Cute little girls bouncing around doing their flips and all. And this guy, real successful guy, you know, three different companies. He's the guy that had the yacht, the beautiful estate, the Jag, the custom suits. He had, he had, you know, blonde wife, 2.5 kids, you know, the whole thing. And he wound up um, looking at me one day as we're sitting there watching gymnastics and said, Steve, how do you do it? And I'm looking at him going, how, how do I do it? You know, I mean, I, you're the guy with all the, all the, sizzle and everything looks like it's in place and all he said now how do you have such peace and i look back at him i said yeah he said is it is it church i said not exactly you're close but not exactly i said that's a conversation we really should have let's sit down and, and take some time and so i reached back out to him the next day schedule coffee or beer or something to to really walk that through with him and uh he didn't hit me back so I hit him up again, uh, you know, about a week later, you know, Hey, let's, let's grab that. Let's grab that beer soon. And, you know, the next week he took his own life, man. And I looked at it and I said, no more, I'm not selling out to, to just make the money and get to that place where I'm going to be, have it made. You know, everybody looked at this guy and said, Oh, he's got it made. And, you know, the thing that I really wish I could have instilled in that conversation that I really try not to leave off the table is that I need to be authentic to my own beliefs. I believe in Jesus. I follow him. And if I'm not authentic to that, I'm never going to have peace. I'm always going to be in turmoil. And as you said earlier about, you need to be doing what works for you. You don't have to come do my way, but you have to be authentic to your own way. And it has to work for you. And if you need help discovering that, I'll walk through that with you. So for then, a period of years, I opened my firm as a risk management consulting firm. Sarbanes-Oxley had just come out. It like legally required people to hire people like me. 
I'm like, this is a no brainer, right? How easy should this be? But, you know, every new business, every new startup, you got to make your niche in the market. You know, people are used to the, the big three, you know, consulting houses and you got to really break in there. So it was really interesting. And I get into these pretty high powerful guys, get into a meeting and every time, you know, I just had this as my core of why I started things. And so I'd kind of be thinking about it beforehand and I wouldn't run the conversations that direction, but just ask the questions like we talked about earlier, asking a couple different whys and, and digging in a little deeper. And it was just time after time after time that the responses went from, yeah, we got to get this straight and I really want to focus on this to things are falling apart, maybe on a personal level, maybe somewhere else. And they were just looking for that person to talk to. And looking for that opportunity to get sound, good counsel from somebody that could relate. And, uh, and I had a lot of good fortune along the way. Had some great clients. As I said, you know, worked for the VC firm. And, and there was one summer, Dale. I, I had literally two clients. And I wasn't taking on any more. And I worked, you know, about 10 hours a week that summer. And I just poured into my kids. It was the best. But that's not a lifestyle for me. I didn't want to stay there, but I wanted to intentionally take that time. I had recognized I had been pouring way too much not into my family. And so I said, I can take three months and really, really pour into this. And I'll never forget, you know, my, again, I only had three clients, right? So one of them would call me up. I'd be like, hey, yeah, actually I'm on the boat now, but I got my laptop. I can jump in here. They're like, nah, call me back tomorrow morning. You know, then I'd have other people who weren't my clients calling me up being like, no, if I really need you to jump on this and I need you to, and I was just like, no, I don't need to do that. The people that I really care about, whether they be clients or friends or, or people in my life, they're people that I would drop anything for to take care of and to help. But oftentimes they recognize when they need the help, they'll call. But a lot of times they're like, hey, if you've got that opportunity right now to do something with your family, take it. You know, people, especially now in COVID, things have shifted a lot. And I think there's a lot of people, a lot of opportunity for a lot of people to really reprioritize their lives. And when you're authentic with people, it, I find that they resonate with that and it really adds value to the relationship as opposed to trying to be, I've got it all together. I'm all professional. Everything's always great. You know, just being real with them and then they can relate to you more. And there's a lot of grace in the world these days amongst good people. Yes, um, and and you hit on some big things that that that, I, that to hang out at the the sufferings of a leader or entrepreneur or business owner, right? Like like taking that time to establish that clarity of like what are you what are you truly trying to get out of this? Because right, like you start these businesses and they just take off, and all of a sudden you're just in the chaos of. The urgent, you know, what, what's seemingly urgent too, you know, because you reminded me of, you know, that that point where you got to go, you kind of got to check yourself. It's like, do I need to do this right now? Like you see those execs that work themselves through the weekend, through the nights, nonstop. You know, at some point you got to go, hey, can can this wait? Like, does this need to be done right now? Do I need to work through the weekend? Or if I picked up on it Monday morning, the world's not going to end, right? You know, there's just this this chaos of the urgent that's always and, and I feel like sometimes that's just a 
that's just a perception, right? And, and, and us as leaders, you know, when we're running those businesses, we, we just feel like you're almost in a fog of war. Like there's so much going on. There's so much piling on you. And you just feel like you got to constant, constant, constant work, work, work. But if you just make time, like I would recommend anyone that's in those roles, like make time for thought development time just to get your priorities straight often, daily if you need to, just sit down and go, what's the what's the one thing I need to get accomplished and, and get that done? Now, what's the next thing? Um, because if you try to work on like a million things at once and do a little bit towards these million things, going on, you never get any of them done. You, you know, you really got to. You know, so time management, I think, is is a big thing and, and really being honest, like I say, with yourself and clear on what are you trying to get accomplished? So, you know, so, you know, what your finish line is, right? Sometimes we're just we don't even know what the finish line is. We don't know what success looks like because we've never thought about it. And as a result of that, you're just always working towards this lack of clarity in this fog of war. But the other thing you hit on was just being congruent. Like just being congruent with your beliefs, so and and who you want to be, and if you don't know who you are, like who you want to be, and and how you want to interact with people, and what makes you like, like if you don't, again, establish some clarity around those things, you could find yourself like not being congruent with that, and you just feel a, a little bit miserable, you know, uh, and you don't know why, you know, like I don't, you know, that's where that 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 scenario I hear often now, like well, I don't, I don't know why I'm so unhappy, like well. What would make you happy? Well, I don't know, you know, and well, that are. might be why you're not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you don't know what would make you happy, you're probably not going to be happy. There's that. But, old... it, but is that typical? Is that what you see? Like kind of like this lack of clarity? hundred percent. I mean, I was thinking this morning, kind of prepping for a call and during my little bit of clarity time that I took today, I just had this analogy come to mind of, you know, we're all swimming and we're jumping in a river and swimming, but how often are we stopping to check the tide chart and the wind? And are we just beaten against the current? Would it be better for us to literally, there are days that I have in my career just stopped. I'm like the most efficient thing and productive thing for me to do today is to not work anymore. I'm sure we've all had those days. Things just aren't going right. And when I keep pushing in that role, sometimes I can get over it and it's fine. Other times you're getting pushed backwards by the current. It doesn't matter how hard you're swimming. And that's where taking those minutes, those hours or those days, and I think each of those, like I would take a couple minutes every day to get my clarity straight. I've got a little journal planner that I start on every day and I make my little list of what's, what's most important to me today. But then quarterly and then also annually, taking those hours or those days to, to gain that clarity. But as you were talking, Dale, there's a lot of, a lot of meat on the bone in this conversation. But one of the things I walk through with a lot of business owners is that tyranny, the urgent and the four quadrants of time, value, fun. You know, how much is it worth for you to invest your time in this? Can somebody else be doing it at a much lower rate? If so, let the janitor hang the TV. Why are you paying the higher rated person to do it? But we as leaders often aren't good at doing that with ourselves. We grab and we take and we run as opposed to saying, is that something I need to do? But then the next response to that, one thing that's really helped me in life is to recognize a little saying that I need to put in my mind every time I'm going to do something is, what difference is this going to make in two weeks? A lot of the things that I used to do in life added zero value to two weeks from now. They added value to the moment, 
but that value was gone an hour later. It made no difference. Whereas if we invest our things, invest our time in things that really build on that two-week model, then we'll find ourselves down the road. I just had a great phone call from a client this morning. He's, he's been going through a really good season in business. He's, he's grown, he's profitable, things are going really well. Um, but you know, this last couple months, he's just been like, ah, things ha- haven't hit the same way. I haven't grown quite as much, you know? And I said to him, keep going, do the work that you know you're supposed to be doing and stay focused and don't get discouraged. He called me up this morning with a new customer, a customer meeting this afternoon for a new customer and another really big deal that's right on the horizon. And I said to him, you know, remember you were discouraged two weeks ago? And he just kind of chuckled and laughed and was like, yeah, I know, I know. But how many of us need that that little bit of encouragement, right? Because we're all going to have those ups and downs. We're all going to have those moments that things aren't as awesome as they normally are, or they're just really sometimes crappy. And we need those people in our life to not only say, oh, it's okay, but to really speak into that and say, are you, are you doing the stuff that you're supposed to be doing? Have you followed through on your commitments? Are you pressing forward, forward to your greatest good? And if you are, keep going. It is because you call yourself a business coach today, right? Yeah. I mean, it's, because I've spent a year trying to figure out a better word for what you just just described. There's not like <laughs> I would love a better word for it, Dale. You know I, I mean? will pay you royalties if you come up with it because it's not yeah, normal it, but, business coaching. But it's what it is. Like it's 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 coaching. Like like you said, you're 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 challenging them. Hey, are you working as hard? Are you doing as much as you could be doing in this area? Right, a struggle area. Right, where you're you're challenging them. And again, that coat the value of a coach whether it's about business or your performance or whatever, um, is that other voice, uh, a, a, a well-meaning voice siding with your potential going, hey man, this is gonna be okay. Or hey, are you really working as hard on this as, as you could be, right? Like that, that, that person other than yourself in your own head that's just kind of checking you a little bit, pushing you or, or helping you keep the wheels on or whatever the case may be. It's, it, it's got a lot of value to it. I never had, it. I say all that because I never had it. And I was fortunate um, that I made it as far as I could. I, I I try not to, but I could could wonder like, well, how far could I have gone? And I, I would say I, I was fortunate enough to have some partners that kind of served in that in various capacities as well. So I think I did have a little bit of that. Um, but, you know, again, it's it brings a lot of value. And I enjoy playing that role for people just kind of to be that voice of reason I'm sure you do too, where you get to kind of like, it's, it's like, here's one for you. It's like being the grandparent, right? Like, cause I don't, I don't own the business anymore. Right. It's like, it's like that grandparent role where like they bring the grandkids over and you get to play with them and, and, you know, and enjoy them, but you get to send them home with the parents. Right. Like (laughs) that's how I feel like I am with my clients. Like I want to help them and and I, I love doing that and, and the value and helping them and being like impartial, um, like, cause that, that role of having it all on you, you know, it's, 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 it's a tough spot. So to have that voice of reason, just kind of helping guide you go, Hey, you're going to, you're going to be all right. Like that, that's a, it's a, that's a great place to be and deliver a lot of value. You know, as we joked earlier about the, the term coach, it's really unfortunate because there's not a better word. And a lot of people call themselves a coach, whether it's a performance or business or personal coach. 
And it can mean a lot of different things. And I just want to kind of speak to that for one minute. If you've got a coach that never tells you anything that makes you uncomfortable, fire them right away. Like if you're not being pushed by your coach, you're not being coached by your coach. I know when I played sports, I had some great coaches and every great coach I had was the hardest on me of any of my coaches. The coaches that were like, hey, good job, little Timmy, all the time. It's like, that wasn't a good job. My son, I've got two boys, two girls, my second son, third kid. He, he's a golfer and his golf coach, he sat all the parents aside and he said, listen, I've got some rules here, you know, and he, he goes through kind of how they play. We're encouraging, we're um, respectful, you know, he's got his little guideline thing that he does. And then he looks at the parents and he's like, listen, if the shot was 10 feet off to the right, it's not a good shot. It might've been good effort, might've been a good try. Maybe it was the right distance. But it was off to the right. That's not good. It's good when it goes in the hole. Stop teaching your kid that it's good to fail. Teach them what they can do to succeed. And I think that as I watched him with these little 10, 12, 14-year-old kids, coaching them up with love that was not easy. But every kid knew they were really appreciated and respected by their coach. Uh, that's Coach Todd. He's He's a great example to what a coach should be. And that's somebody that's not going to accept mediocrity, not even going to accept your current best as your potential, but is going to encourage you whenever you're doing your best and then give you that next little tip to help you go further. Hey guys, Dale here. And I wanted to take a quick break to invite you to join the launch of the Lions Guy community called The Pride. You see, whether it was at work dealing with the demands of the day or maintaining the demands of my life at home, I always seemed to feel like my struggles were unique. Like somehow I was the only one struggling to find joy amidst all the weight that I felt I was carrying each day. And, you know, what I've come to realize is that we all have our struggles that we're up against and it's pretty demanding. The only way to rise to those demands is to decide and make the change to adopt a growth mindset, to be what I call a high performer. And that's why I started Lions Guide. I want to help you break through to the next level of you and your ability to not only meet, but exceed those demands on you. And in doing so, find your joy again. If you're a growth-minded individual ready to make a change, then I'm here for you. And this is how you get started. I invite you to visit lionsguide.com and sign up to join the pride. The Pride is the Lions Guide community for growth-minded members like you. Once signed up, you'll get special access to all the free content and resources I'm putting out there. You'll also be invited to join my live online events where I host sessions on personal growth and high performance. You'll also be able to engage with other growth-minded members on our private online group. Also, if you're enjoying the podcast as a member, you'll get access not only to all the podcasts, but also the podcasts that have been yet to be released. So get access to all this and more. So break out of that rut. Break into your next level and join me on lionsguide.com and let's grow together. Go to lionsguide.com and become a member of the pride today. Now back to the show. Yeah. I mean, we, we get paid to push, right? Like we get paid to push in, um, inside with the potential and often they don't see it. Sometimes, sometimes they don't even see it, whether you're coaching youth or sports or a client in business or whatever, like sometimes they can't see it, which, which that part, um, Sometimes surprises me, but I, it doesn't, it doesn't, but you ever kind of say something that's like so obvious to you and they're kind of like, wow, I never thought about that. And, 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 and it's like, it feels good to just kind of unlock that for them. Cause they just, it just it takes these little bits of perspective to kind of unlock these breakthrough moments. Uh, like the epiphanies as you put it earlier. Yeah. hundred percent. One of the challenges I had 
when I first started consulting was I would tell people what I wanted, where I thought they should go. And it's like five or 10 steps past where they are. And we can only really achieve what we can dream and see. And we can only see as far as our fear will allow us to, right? If, if I don't have money for this month's rent, I can't think about the success I'm going to have five years from now. I'm trying to put bread on the table. Whereas as coaches, we can step aside from that fear and we can see that potential way beyond it. But something that's been really crucial is, is being able to identify what, what is the roadblock? Where are they able to go to at this point? And I can show them a little glimpse past that, but not go so far that it's like, overwhelming, scary. They have no clarity on how to get there because then they either feel like they can't do it or they feel like, oh, I can do that. I'm going to go do it. And they march out there thinking they can do it without getting the preparation. So how important is good leadership to an organization's success? You know, Dale, I think that leadership with what I'll call mediocre, I mean, an organization with mediocre leadership can have long-term, what I'll call minor success. You're going to cap yourself. You're going to find your little band of people. They're going to follow you. And I've seen business owner after business owner after business owner create their own little environment where they've got a profitable little company and it's never going to grow and they don't understand why. Leadership is the ability to multiply and scale. Leadership is the ability to inspire people to do things greater than they thought they could do. And, you know, as, as you look at this type of contagious leadership, this kind of servant leader mindset that we talked about earlier about selling is serving, well, leading is also serving for the best leaders. When you're able to identify the people, right? What is their highest use? What is their highest potential? And then give them the resources and tools they need to get there. And part of that is just the confidence and that enthusiasm. That's when businesses can do really amazing things. I've seen some companies that, you know, one company right here on the Eastern Shore was a pretty standard company. They were a well driller. And through a series of events, they were contacted by a church when they were selling an old well drilling rig. Uh, the church was like up in Connecticut or somewhere, I don't know, up in the Northeast. They went, he's like, why do you want to buy my well drilling rig? They're like, we want to send it to Africa to drill wells. He's like, do you know how to drill wells? They're like, no. He's like, have you ever been through customs in Africa? No. So in this series of events, this business leader wound up going to Africa with the rig that they bought from him and wound up having to bribe officials to get it into the country and all this stuff. But to date, they've drilled, I think it's upwards of a thousand wells for villages that didn't have clean water. All because some guy on the Eastern shore who drilled wells was given some opportunity and he took it and he ran with it with an old rig that he wasn't using anymore. And it, you know, he since has donated and led the organization and done some amazing things there. But that's where that's leadership in my mind. Did that company become exponentially more profitable than they were before? Not the point. Not what he defined as success. He's defined success for himself as doing real good and leaving a legacy that's going to benefit and impact thousands and probably hundreds of thousands of people for a lifetime. 
as opposed to just having that myopic focus of how can I make some more profit? I want to make a little more money as the leader because I'm in charge. Yeah. I mean, and I guess that's, that's another point, right? Um, um, not solely leading by the numbers, I guess, um, you know, getting, cause it's, it's, the numbers are important, but you got it. They're a part of the picture. They're not the whole picture. It, you know, I don't know. I'm thinking about the, the scenarios where it's just like, you know, cutting for the sake of cutting, like you're hyper-focused on the expense line, not the income line or the people line, you know, and just kind of figuring out the full equation. You know, it, it, it just seems to be like when maybe finance people get in charge, it's, it's all about the easiest thing to cut rather than investing energy and in finding growth in, or, you know what I mean? Rewriting, not, not even rewriting, uh, but adjusting the formula, if you will, that, that leads to success, right? Like cutting, cutting expenses isn't, it's it it's the easiest thing to do, but maybe not always the right thing to do. I don't know. If you want to help your bottom line today, cause you want to sell tomorrow, maybe it is the right thing to do for you. Go for mm -hmm. it. I don't care, but that's not the way to lead a company to greatness. And you know, Dale, as you're talking about that, and as I shared this one story about the uh, well drilling, it just resonates with me. Another area that I'd like to bring up, and that is a lot of business owners struggle to get great employees, to keep great employees. And they think, oh, if I pay more, then I'll get employees. But the organizations that I see that have a purpose like this well drilling company, whatever your purpose is, you know, I'm not saying you have to drill wells in Africa. But if you have a greater purpose, if you're doing good, if you're doing the most good you can do, people are drawn to that now more than ever. The generation of workers that is in the workforce now says, that's important to me. I want to know that you care about me, and I want to know that you care about the world around us. And whether you're Tom's Shoes giving away a pair for every pair you sell, or whether you're a well-drilling company drilling wells in Africa, or whatever your give back help and do good is, you'll find your people, they'll find you that resonate with it. But if you've got a problem hiring employees, you gotta stop and look at that people part of the equation. And that people, it needs to be about your employees, your customers, your vendors. It needs to be about your community. It needs to be about your vision and your purpose and your passion. And there's no right or wrong about what that should be it's just about the fact that you have a clear purpose and passion. Because if you don't, what are they following you towards? They're not the ones that are going to get all the profit at the end of the day if you make a million bucks a year. They're the ones that are going to get the same paycheck unless you have some incentive plan like we talked about earlier that may or may not even be aligned with the company's interest. Right. But if you're helping people see this is more than just about doing X, Y, or Z, but we also do this. We give back in this way. We serve in this way. We love in this way. There's one company down in South Carolina. They've actually started a nonprofit that does consulting for corporate culture. Uh, I went to a training there. It was pretty fascinating. But the company makes some type of like plastic industrial stuff, you know, stuff you or I would never buy, or actually you may have in your, in your prior life. But as you look at that company creating a nonprofit for corporate culture, and then partnering with people who are, are doing those kind of things, you won't believe the kind of response the employees give to those kind of initiatives. But one thing I loved about their model was 
They have a very simple model that says, we're going to find employees in your organization that are then going to set up a team. And that team is going to have a budget. And that budget is going to be done, used for the people process, right? And then you find out that some of your employees can't afford their rent, or you find out that some of the communities that we live in have this or that problem. And, or it's just that we want to do a, you know, quarterly employee lunch, you know, whatever they believe is going to help them thrive as a community. It's one thing for you and I to sit here and pontificate on what we think is the best way to really engage people. Well, the best way to engage people is to engage them. Let them have input, let them have ownership and let them have buy-in. Give them a budget, give them a goal and say, hey, I want you to make people feel like we care because we honestly do. And then see what they come back with. Giving people that kind of authority, it gives them a sense of belonging and they're like, wow, my company lets us do this. And I've seen it work across the board from giving back to the community to literally helping the least who are in the most pain, who have serious and real needs. And, uh, you know, there's that old, like, do we give handouts to people that are on the street or whatever? And and you have that polar, like, I want to, but I don't want them to go use it on, you know, anything bad. I don't want to support their bad habits. And that's where when you put it in the hands of the people that are walking side by side with each other, they're going to find opportunities and they're going to take them. And it can be really exciting. Yeah. And I think those are all really good points, right? You hit on having a bigger purpose. And it, well, number one, I feel like it even goes from a leadership perspective, you mentioned, like just showing them what the vision is, like what we're working towards as an organization. And then the, oh, by the ways, we also take a portion of our proceeds and we do this within the employee pool. We do this in our community. Like those things demonstrate uh, a value of belonging right? To those employees that you're either soliciting or trying to keep from going. Um, Because I mean, look, even before COVID, the the unemployment rate was in the threes. Like, you know, it was hard to keep people, you know, or find people even. So, so even like, this isn't a COVID thing. This is like in today's market where, especially now people can work for anyone, anywheres for the most part. Now there's a ton of that going on now more than ever. Um, so these things are really important to make your, your business bigger than the bottom line, I guess, you know, the, the you know, uh, really summarize what you're saying. You got to make your business bigger than just the bottom line in the eyes of your employees and your community um, so that they can, they, they'll be invested in it. They'll want to stay, you know, they'll, they'll, they're, they've got something to believe in be feel, feel, good being a part of. You know, Dale, a struggle a lot of companies have is they say something along the lines of, well, I'm just too small for that. Or, well, we don't have the profits for that. And my encouragement is there's no business that's too small and there's no amount of profit that's too small to say that we can give back. You might not be able to give back out of what you have today, but you can give back out of what's going to come in. You can say, okay, For everything we get over this amount, this is what we need to sustain life. For everything we get over this, we're going to give this much back. Mm -hmm. But I just believe in the principle of giving, serving, you know, and being a a good steward of what's entrusted to you. And as we talked about all along, you got to find the right way for you to do that. There's no like, hey, this is what you ought to do on it. It's get with somebody that can really give you some guidance, get with somebody that has the financial chops to make sure that you don't bankrupt yourself by just throwing money away, 
but is also able to find those areas and pockets of improvement. If you're able to find 10, 20% increase in profit and you're willing to give 10% of that increase away, that's nice. But you have to consider average client is seeing 62 plus percent increase in profit when they engage in the kind of clarity, the kind of focus and the kind of passion that we're talking about. That becomes a pretty significant number that's pretty exciting to people. But if you don't get them involved in it and don't give them a reason to shoot towards it, why would they run there? Yeah. Yeah, I think, look, you're talking a little bit about just the uh, abundance mindset versus the scarcity mindset, you know, and it and it does make a big difference in in how your business grows as when you're thinking with that abundance mindset versus the scarcity mindset. You're not like that scarcity mindset. You're you're a little bit more reluctant to invest back in the business than you might be if it, you had the abundance mindset. It's just like the giving part of it, like the you, know, you got that scarcity mindset, so you feel yeah you're too small or there's not enough to give away. Whereas that abundance mindset saying yeah there's plenty. Yeah, I've got what I need. We can give. and and then that recognizing by the way the investment that that gift is right. That charity charity is that engagement in the community or engagement in the employees is that, that is an investment that does come back to you in ways that are not necessarily tangible, you know, just, just that that trickle down effect of that employee leaving as a result of a lack of engagement program versus that employee staying. You, you don't see it right here within uh, one degree of separation, but Four degrees of separation, you know, that cost of losing that employee is big, you know, especially if they're tenured or they were hard to find in the first place or the market's tough. Or if they've got incredible potential that maybe you haven't tapped. Yeah. yeah. Have you seen those employees that like have amazing potential and they're doing a job that's like this much of it, you know, just helping people discover their greatest potential and reaching it. I've got another organization that I helped in the past who their goal was to keep an employee for no more than 18 months. They wanted to roll people out in nine months because they essentially took people that were unemployable, who it was actually in the tech sector. And they said, look, we can't pay people much. We're a nonprofit, but we can give them this skill. So if we hire people, quickly train them up with this skill and then make them really employable, And then they've got this revolving door of people who they're helping increase their quality of life exponentially inside of two years, going from unemployable to a decent little job in the tech field. How cool is that? You know, Mm -hmm. it wasn't, it wasn't the model most businesses are going to have. But as, as you were talking, Dale, it just excites me to look at the potential that businesses have. And if you're investing in things that are about your employees or your community or you know, whatever you term in that people puzzle, the return on that is going to be a really good return. Um, the incentive programs that we started the conversation with and where we're at now, if you can't measure those things, then you probably haven't invested enough time and energy into really putting forth a thoughtful program and measuring it because what gets measured gets done. If you're not measuring the results, it can become a on the chopping block, right? When when one of the financial guys is sitting there looking at the bottom line, they're like, I want to make more money. Let's cut this stuff. Whoa, whoa, whoa. There's an ROI associated with that. There's an ROI that is both fiscal, right? And you can, you can find statistics on that. Uh, Coca-Cola Consolidated 
has done some great research in that area. They run uh, the T Factor events. I don't know if you've ever heard of them or reached out to them, but they've got some great resources and avenues that they've poured into that. Um, but then there's also the other ROI on it, that that person to person ROI. How much difference does it make if your company's actually improving somebody's life? I mean, that should mean something beyond the CFO being able to go, eh, chop that, not meeting my ROI standard. Well, yeah, but there's another ROI standard too. And it all comes back to that joy in life, Dale. If you're running a company, you're running a million miles an hour, you've got money left over at the end of the day, are you really happy? And if you are, that's awesome. You're probably doing something really good. If the only thing you're happy with is the amount of money you have, and you're a really joyful, happy, satisfied person because you have money, then you're probably not the right client for me. You go enjoy your money. You do your thing. No judgment here. But man, I don't know about you, but when I'm doing more good to give back, more good to help people, and I'm seeing, you know, whether it be employees, customers, you know, vendors, when I'm seeing people's lives improved and changed, when I'm seeing wells in Africa changing entire villages across the entire, you know, continent, that's where I'm getting joy from. And being able to give to my, my family and take care of them and lead them well also, and giving in our local community. But it's not just about giving, it's about living. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. The, um, what advice would you give? Because it seems like, you know, with the downturn of the economy, a lot of, lot of unemployment, there's a lot of seemingly entrepreneur, uh, entrepreneurial life coming about. Folks obviously trying to provide, creating new businesses and things like that. Like to that, that entrepreneur, that new entrepreneur out there, what advice would you give them as far as starting out today? Uh, that's a great question. So there are different types of entrepreneurs. Um, one is going to be kind of that business manager, right? And there's a whole book on this. If you want to hit me up and I'll, I'll get it to you. But there's a business manager that says, I can, I can manage this thing really well so that it can become a good business. And that guy's going to be pretty successful probably. There's the, there's the tactician. There's the guy that does it. There's the guy with his hands on the keyboard, his hands on the wrench, whatever your trade is. Um, you're the one doing the job and you're like, I can do this job. My manager's always just looking at reports and doing that or that. He's never actually doing it. That guy's going to also be pretty successful. But you know, the definition of a true entrepreneur is somebody that is just contagious and can't help but be involved in that new and that creative and that, you know, process of making that new thing for the industry to move forward in. Um, the people that are, so there are three very different answers, but I think most of what you're talking about right now, especially is going to be that guy that does the job and now is going to do that job as a business. My encouragement is do a great job. If you don't deliver a quality product, if you're over promising and under delivering, I can't help you. Surround yourself with good people, whether you hire a coach, whether you've got a great accountant, whether you've got a, a peer group of friends that are business owners, you've got to have the people that have been there before look at you and say, watch out for that step, right? Because the, the guys around you, the people around you that can tell you where to step is really important, but you absolutely need somebody that can tell you where to not step. Because there's a few areas when you're starting a business, if you step in it, you wind up getting really hurt. Yeah, most businesses fail inside the first five years. I mean, a vast majority. 
And then the last piece of advice that I'd really give is don't wait to be passionate about what you're doing. It's not about just making a paycheck. If you're going to run a business, do it for a bigger reason. Do it with more passion than you went to your job with. And wherever you want to find that passion, whatever you want to push that passion towards, don't ever lose it. You can change it, but don't ever just lose sight of it. As we run, as we grow, as we build, things become, as you said, you know, more money, more problems, right? I mean, things just go, 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 go. Keep yourself grounded with the things that are more important in life so that you don't get to that place where you wake up one day and go, where did life go? Like I did, you know, I successful career, got to that place and said, this is not where I want to be. And I guess the last piece of advice there is if you find yourself there, it's never too late. You know, make some changes today to impact your tomorrow. I can't help what you did yesterday. I can't change that. But you can change what you're going to do tomorrow. That's really powerful stuff. And I think like, what about the business owner? Like, um, how about this one? The business owner who built a business, it's having a ton of success. They're trying to do everything. What, have you ever had clients that just are reluctant to hire the help they actually need for whatever the reason might be? All the time. All the time. We have a tendency to look at people like us and say, oh, that'd be great. We have a tendency to look at people that are opposite from us and say, ooh, yeah, that's uncomfortable for me. I feel really comfortable if I'm the guy turning wrenches. I feel really comfortable with guys turning wrenches. I'm probably not excited to hire that manager who really just makes sure everything's running on time and smooth and clean. I'm probably not excited to partner with that entrepreneur that has some vision of expanding this operation across the country or taking this idea and making a new product and getting a patent and taking it to market. I'm probably interested in staying in my lane. If I'm an entrepreneur, I'm probably around other guys that love talking about it and come up with it. And we've got all these great ideas. But if without the implementer, without the person that's actually doing it, where are you at? And then if you're the manager type, really for all of us, but especially for the manager type, don't think of yourself as any better than anybody else in the equation. If you think of yourself as above, you're going to wind up leading people that aren't following you. They're just punching a clock for a paycheck. And that's just a, a recipe for a painful, painful lifelong experience. So as you, as you grow and as you need to expand, before you, you can email me, call me, hit me up, and we'll, we'll do a session to walk through this, or you can get with somebody like Dale. But before you get that customized help, if I could just give one piece of advice, it's find the tool that you need most, not that you want or think would be good. Whatever you think would be the best thing for your business, you're probably wrong because you're probably looking at that thing that you do so well and you need more help doing more of. And you're probably not, don't have the extreme clarity on the one piece that's kind of the hold up in the whole operation. I'll give you an illustration of that. I was recently talking to a very successful company. They've grown exponentially through COVID. They're, they're doing a great job. They've got a great reputation. And you know, the biggest struggle they had, they do things really, really well, but they were lacking one little step in the process 
that then impacted every step later in the process. So they needed that process person to come in and help manage the organization well. And without that person, they were basically losing all their profit. Literally, I mean, they were profitable, but negligibly. And with that one little shift, which was completely polar different from everybody else in the organization, they're able to like radically transform not only the customer delivery and the profit, but the the stress level that was inside the organization. People just felt like they were in a pressure cooker because there was always this stuff. But all of this stuff was just recycled effort because it wasn't this one step impacted everything after it. And when you identified that and cleaned that up and cleared it up, then it eliminated 72 other problems down the road. So before working with me, they were addressing the 72 problems. When you have the extreme clarity and you can fix what's the root cause, you can get to a place where all of a sudden everything transforms and it just was like a cloud was just lifted off of the organization. Because Dale, we face stress in business, employees, managers, everybody faces stress. But as business owners, there's a lot of opportunity. There are a lot of stressors. And getting to the place in life where those stressors become a smooth in and out instead of a reactionary, I have to fire back, I have to fire back, I have to fire back, is going to make that difference for that business owner. You know, the the elite special forces have the, the old mantra that says, slow is smooth and smooth is fast. And I don't think I really understood that until a couple of years ago. But as you really listen to that, you go, wow, that makes a lot of sense, especially when people's lives are on the line. Yeah. And, and that goes to knowing what's important now in the business so you can prioritize and stay congruent with that instead of trying to solve for everything. Right. Mm -hmm. That goes right back to clarity, like knowing what the most impactful thing you could be working on as a business or in your team or whatever the case may be. When you get that clarity, it helps you say no to all those other issues that plague you. Right. You can actually then say, well, where does this fit at, with regard to this number one thing that we're working on right now that we're the most, most impactful thing that we're working on? You know, it's, it's, it's the power to say no, you know, that, that, Hey, not right now, you know, not right now. This doesn't fit right now. We're working on this right now. Um, and being able to say, say no to that. Um, I think there's just this, you know, because I guess that's where the part of, um, you know, being of service kind of plagues some folks where they say yes to everything and they really should have said no. And they're trying to be the, the pleaser. They're trying to be the nice guy. They're trying not to be that person that says no or not right not right now or whatever, when that in fact should be the is the best thing they should be doing right now for, for what's the most important thing to them. hundred percent. I've got a great quick story on that. Um, my largest referral ever when I sold insurance came from a guy that was not even a customer. He came to me and said, Hey, I need help with this or that. I said, yeah, I can do that for you, but I'm going to be more expensive. It was a tiny little thing anyway. And I was like, you know, if you go over here, I think they're probably going to be a lot cheaper and better for you. So he did. He thanked me. And I'm like, cool. You know, I, I didn't get anything out of that. About a week later, he sent me the biggest referral I ever got. And I didn't ask for it or anything. It was out of the blue. But that looking at somebody in the eye and going, I really don't think I'm the best fit for that situation right now. 
you might want to talk to this company. They sound really, really like they do what you want or what would be best for you. People value that. People recognize that you didn't have to do that. And at the same time, it enables you to focus on your one thing instead of focusing on your everything. Um, I just read a, a book all about that, the one thing, and it talks about the 80-20 principle and just boiling that down to the place where there's only one thing left. But what's really fascinating was in that book, I'm reading along going, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, that looks good. Then he says, but I have a one thing for several different areas of my life. I've got my one thing for my business. I've got my one thing for myself. I've got my one thing for my family. I've got my one thing for my, what I'll call community, my core, my, my tribe. Um, you know, if you leave any of those groups out of having a one thing, then you get hyper-focused on business or family or wherever you're at and missing the balance in life that comes from having the clarity of the one thing for each area. Yeah. Now I, I just, I just finished that book too. It might be sitting here in front of me somewhere <laughs> in the pile, but yeah, it, now I thought that was a great book. In fact, just full disclosure, I needed that for me like right now. Cause you know, it, at the early stages of, of doing this Lions guide thing, there's so many different things that I'm kind of, one of my clients, we were talking the other day, just about himself talking about like just being a dog and there's squirrels running everywhere. Oh, squirrel, 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 and like chasing all these squirrels. And, and, and uh, I, being intentional, you know, picked up that book to help kind of get my head like, hey, look, yeah, like, like let's let's use this to kind of refocus, get back on that one thing. It's a really really good book, uh, the really good uh, topic set. And it's not that new. I think that was like copyrighted two thousand twelve, but it's a it's cool to pick up uh, the one thing. I apologize, but I forget the author right now, but it's a good book. Yeah, I think you know, for me, I I struggle from the squirrel mindset also, right? There's there's always these things running back and forth, and you know, Dale, how do you manage those one things in relation to the squirrels? Because I know for me, um, I love, I love catching squirrels, right? This one. That's it. One thing. This is, uh, uh, Gary Keller. Those interested, the one thing, uh, the surprising simple truth behind extraordinary results. That's right. He's Gary founder Keller. of, uh, Keller Williams Realty. Is that right? Is that right? Yeah, I believe so. Wow. So yeah, I think having the having the ability to allow myself to chase the squirrels without the ability to wreck my day for that. So I build in a little bit of time, what I call free time, or even, you know, sometimes I'll I'll call it stupid Steve time. You know, I've got smart Steve. He's the one that's focused and intentional and really impactful and really doing his best job for his customers. But I know me. I've got that entrepreneurial thing inside of me that's always just creating and inventing and thinking and it's fun it's like play mm -hmm. and so allowing myself the time to do that i say hey put a pin in that i'm going to come back to that on you know friday afternoon when i've given myself two hours if i've done everything else i need to do this week i have my stupid steve time where i can just kind of play i can just kind of do my fun things and explore and experiment and i've got little projects that i'm working on as opposed to allowing that to get into my routine and into my prime and efficient times yeah, no, similar. Um, so my thing is I got to get it out of my head. And the only way I get it out of my head, so I keep, uh, I use Microsoft uh, 365. They got a product, uh, OneNote, or people can use Evernote or use your freaking notepad, whatever. Um, I use a notepad too, I carry around. But 
Um, so I have idea traps. So when these squirrels run through, um, I just write it down and now I've captured it and I get back on track, you know, instead of like getting chasing after it, I've, I've gotten it. I say, yeah, okay, here's a, here's a thought. Here's an idea. It might be this, might be that, whatever. I, I write it down and I put it in my idea trap. So I like first place, probably I'm just writing it in my notebook. Uh, cause I try to avoid my, I, I try to avoid touching my phone if I can help it because it, that in itself is a distraction pit. So um, I carry around my little uh, notebook here. And in fact, you can like, this is it. And it's full of like little eyes. So when yeah. I uh, get these ideas, <laughs> I freaking just write it down. I put a little eye in parentheses next to it saying, hey, this is going in the idea trap and I move on. Now I've gotten it out of my head. If I can get it, if I don't do that, my, my, my subconscious is gonna keep going, well, wait a minute, but but, but we got this great idea over here. So that's what's helped me. And then like you, yeah, I've got different buffer times or once I'm ready to start looking for that next thing, you know, um, I try to keep a, a 60 day cadence on projects, you know, stuff that I can get done over 60 days. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I, I dump, so I take everything out of my notebook at the end of the day, I throw them out in my little idea traps in in one note and, you know, buffer time free time end of the week like you said i'll go through sometimes thumb through and go ah, was stupid was it oh is that what was i thinking you know other ones like oh yeah that was a good one then and then throw it on deck for the next you know two months or whatever i like it man it sounds yeah. good i'll take a note out of your book on that 60 day thing i think that makes a lot of sense well yeah and i think the one thing book what it did for me is is you know i was trying to do like one to three projects every 60 days and, you know, where I was messing up, I'll say, is that might be right. One to three projects over the course of 60 days, but one at a time, you know, or in different, like you said, focal areas. Like there might be a project in this area. There might be a project in this area, like one, one personal, one professional, one in a community or one in a hobby, whatever. They can be in different buckets, but you can't take on you know, a bunch of projects in the same bucket simultaneously. You got to, for me anyway, I found, especially through reflection and kind of trying to level up off the lessons from one thing was like, okay, hit, hit that one thing at a time. Once that's done, then move on to the next thing. Because what happens when you're not doing that, you're building, uh, I was talking, using this analogy the other day, like if your job is to get to that island over there and the only way you're going to get to that island is building a bridge, are you really going to start this bridge and then stop. Yeah, let me start this bridge. Yeah, let me start this bridge, right? You're, you're going to get started on one bridge over to what I call million, million dollar island. You're going to build one bridge and you're not going to stop until that bridge is done. You land on million, million dollar island um, because it makes no sense to start keep starting all these different little bridges that none of them ever make it across the the, the, the water or whatever the case may be. So so I've been, been uh, focusing on just one thing at a time get that done, then on to the next thing. Um, because what happens when you take on multiple projects, especially in the same bucket, is now you start to get conflicted on what, what are you going to work on? If you're only focused on one thing at a time, there, there's no question. You know what you're going to work on. I think there's a lot of wisdom in that. A lot, a lot of sanity too. <laughs> <laughs> you know, sanity is something I love to have in my life unless I intentionally let insanity in. It's all right to have some crazy times. Just- yeah. Make sure you're controlling that that insanity. Well, look, dude, what you were saying earlier about the um, the I'll call it play time. Um, you know, like that that's like having play money in you in your budget. Why do you do that? So that you don't blow your savings. 
you know, because it all gets pent up and you, you aren't having any kind of play money that you go splurge with set aside. Uh, if you don't do that, you kind of like save, save, save. I'm only saving. It's only my expenses and my savings. That's it. Well, you know, you, it, it's good to maybe have a little pressure valve release where you, you've set a, set aside a little bit of money that is your your play money that you go spend and uh, you spend it until it's gone. That is your play money. That's an intention to go ahead and burn that out. Um, it's good to have that with time too, right? So that you aren't like work, work, work. All I'm doing is working and then you just burn yourself out, you know, so- percent. If you can be really efficient when you're really digging in, you're allowed to have that time where you're not super efficient as opposed mm-hmm. to always being moderately efficient. Yeah. Now, so now good call out. So with that all said, man, um, what do you, what's next for you? What are you working on now? Ah, great question. I've got a, a bunch of things on my plate. Most of them kind of standard uh, client stuff. Um, looking to get a, a little bit of help in. So looking to hire somebody. Uh, it's a little bit of a unique fit though. So looking for just that really right person and really then looking for the opportunities to to really make some impact and, and do some real good. Um, but honestly, Dale, you know, I'm also pretty consumed with kids' decisions and schools for the next year or two. And we've got one going off to college, another one going off to college after that. And a lot of good things going on on the kid and home front. And I'm allowing that to be a, a focal point for this fall. So after the new year, I'll have a, a better answer for you on some real clear business goals. But right now it's like, I'd love to get that right person in to really offload some of the, the workload so that I can grow grow the firm. But outside of that, I'm just loving life, man. Yeah, I love it, man. That's awesome. So uh, people looking for, interested in your services, looking for you, how, how can they best get in touch with you? The easiest way is probably email. And you got steve at p3freedom.com. That's p3freedom.com. Or uh, I'll give you my cell number, 410-271-6296. If a million people hit me up on it, we'll, we'll get back to them as soon as, they, as we can. But you know how that goes. It's, uh, it's always good to meet good people. That's what I tell everybody. You know, who, who do you work with? I work with good people. So... <laughs> I'll put it out there if anybody needs it. Yeah, no, that's awesome. You know, and it's been an honor to have you on. I know we've been talking about getting you on here and I appreciate a lot of good stuff there. A lot of good talk about, you know, the the realities of starting a business, running a business, leveling up a business, man. So I appreciate you coming on, sharing your story. And uh, I know uh, it's going to it's gonna serve somebody out there who, who hears this and, and needed to hear it. So thanks for coming on, man. Been a pleasure, Dale. Thanks for doing what you do and making this accessible to people. All right, cool, man. 